0: chapter 5 of pollyanna of the orange blossoms this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox.org recording by claire pollyanna of the orange blossoms by harriet lummis smith chapter 5 two of a kind pollyanna was homesick the attack had come on without warning jimmy had gone to his work early as usual and invariably, after Jimmy's departure, the little apartment seemed painfully empty and forsaken. But as long as Pollyanna had been confronted with the problem of crowding twice as much into the tiny closets as any closet could reasonably be expected to accommodate, and packing away in the trunks articles that would not be needed for several months, instead of something that Jimmy was going to call for next week, she had got along very well. As she went from room to room getting things in shape, she was cheered by the thought that Jimmy was sure to notice any changes, and to exclaim, "'Say, things have been moving today, haven't they?' The real trouble was that now she did not have enough to do. Everything was an apple-pie order. She went about brushing speckless rugs and dusting shining surfaces, and realized that there would be no improvements for Jimmy to notice when he came home, because there was nothing to improve.' This day was worse than usual on account of the leftovers. There were leftover mashed potatoes to be made into potato croquettes, there were leftover peas that would hold the place of honour in a vegetable salad, there was leftover rice pudding that would certainly serve for a second meal and possibly a third. However she might try to prolong the process of getting dinner. She could not possibly stretch it out to cover more than an hour and Pollyanna had discovered that she was homesick at exactly twenty minutes past nine. Of course, there were any number of pleasant things to do. She could go over to the park and see the flowers. And, even though the gorgeous flower-beds in geometrical designs could not fill the place of the dear wild-flowers back in her Vermont home, Pollyanna thoroughly enjoyed the park. There were picture galleries within easy reach, and Pollyanna loved pictures there were people everywhere of all sorts and conditions beggar and millionaire young and old commonplace and with the picturesqueness that belongs to strange costumes and foreign faces and pollyanna loved her kind but it is a peculiarity of homesickness to shrink from pleasure just as a victim of a bad attack of indigestion is repelled by the sight of food pollyanna cared for none of the things which ordinarily would have appealed to her She determined to use a little of her unwelcome leisure in writing a letter to Aunt Polly, but the very worst thing for an acute attack of homesickness is to write home. Pollyanna was in the midst of telling how perfect everything was when she broke down and wept, and it is understating the case to say that she was appalled at such an unexpected exhibition of weakness. "'I believe you're steadily degenerating, Pollyanna Whittier Pendleton,' she told herself sternly the older you grow the less respect i have for you when you were seven years old you could be glad for a pair of crutches though you were crazy for a doll and now when you have jimmy and a lovely little home and everything that heart can wish you sit here crying i'm terribly disappointed in you after that rebuke there was nothing for the homesick pollyanna to do but dry her eyes but the letter to aunt polly was put away to be finished another time Pollyanna jumped up and went to see if some of Jimmy's socks did not need darning, but Jimmy had invested in a large number of socks at the time of his marriage, and her inspection showed them disappointingly whole. Pollyanna decided to clean the silver. It was new and shining, like everything else in the apartment, but instinctively she felt that to make something brighter, if it were nothing but a pie-knife, would be an effective antidote to her present unreasonable mood. She went to work with tremendous energy, polishing everything, including the silver candlesticks, and the silver frame around Jimmy's picture. And when she caught the reflection of her own rather woe-begone face in the bowl of a soup-spoon, Pollyanna laughed, and the laugh helped more than all her scolding. It was approaching noon, and the last piece of silver had been polished within an inch of its life, when a startlingly unpleasant odour assailed Pollyanna's nostrils she ran to the window of the kitchenette and looked out. From a window of an adjoining apartment protruded the head of a girl seemingly about her own age, and if Pollyanna's face had been pensive that morning, at its worst it was almost jovial in comparison with the lugubrious countenance now confronting her from the nearby window. It was not, however, her neighbor's cheerless visage which chiefly challenged Pollyanna's attention but the fact that over her head little wreaths of smoke were drifting out into the sunshine of the June world. "'Is it a fire?' cried Pollyanna, waving the formality of an introduction. The other girl shook her head. "'No, it's not a fire,' she replied. "'It's only my luncheon.' "'Oh!' exclaimed Pollyanna sympathetically. "'Scorched, didn't it?' "'It probably did,' her neighbour replied. "'But there's none of it left to show what happened to it. "'It was soup.' and it has totally disappeared. There is a hole burned right through the bottom of my new aluminium saucepan, and down on the gas-stove are little bright spots where the aluminium ran when it melted. How anyone can suppose it's nice to keep house!" She paused, her face working in a very significant manner. Pollyanna perceived that her neighbour was on the point of doing what she herself had done so recently. "'It's too bad your luncheon's spoiled, she interposed hastily, but in spite of such little accidents, I think it's lots of fun to keep house. Only these apartments are so small that one doesn't have enough to do. "'I have plenty to do,' the other girl retorted resentfully. "'I'm busy from morning till night, and then nothing's ever right. And I'm getting sick of it.' She was too proud to use her handkerchief, and she sniffed violently instead. Fearing the worst, Pollyanna made haste to put a bright idea into words. "'I'll tell you what we'll do,' she cried. "'Your luncheon is spoiled, so I think it would be nice for you to come over and take luncheon with me.' The other girl stared. Apparently she was not accustomed to such hospitable offers from perfect strangers, for there was no suggestion of appreciation in her manner, only blank surprise. "'I suppose I ought to introduce myself first,' apologized Pollyanna, realizing that her invitation had been somewhat unconventional. I'm Mrs. James Pendleton. I haven't been married long, and we only went to housekeeping three weeks ago. The blankness went out of her neighbour's stare. A ripple of laughter swept across her face, vastly improving its appearance. I'm Mrs. Russell Thayer, she reciprocated. We've been married seven weeks, and been keeping house a month. She hesitated and then inquired doubtfully, Did you really mean it when you asked me to luncheon? Of course. "'But you know it won't be a company luncheon. "'I hope you won't mind that.' "'I don't care a bit what I have to eat,' said Mrs. Russell Thayer, very positively. "'But this business of sitting down to luncheon all by myself "'is more like a nightmare than a meal. "'What time shall I come?' "'It's pretty near noon now. "'How would quarter of one suit you?' "'Oh, that will suit me perfectly. "'I'll see you later, then.' The face of young Mrs. Thayer was beaming as she withdrew it from view and, if Pollyanna had taken a look at herself in one of the mirror-like spoons, she would have perceived that an expansive smile had banished every trace of her late pensiveness. Pollyanna made the most of the time at her disposal, and, if it was not a company luncheon, that was ready at quarter of one, it was a meal of which the most fastidious might have partaken with relish. Mrs. Russell Thayer ate hungrily, and asked question which made the practical pollyanna open her eyes i didn't know you could get muffins hot like this what bakery do you like best i didn't go to the bakery for the muffins said pollyanna i made them made them not since you talked to me out of the window why of course it doesn't take long to make muffins you know to make muffins like these said young mrs thayer helping herself to another would take me more time than there is i'm afraid I get most everything at the delicatessen and the bakery. Russ frets sometimes, says he gets tired of so much of the same thing. But men are always fussing about something, you know. They don't realize what an easy time they have." Pollyanna was so astonished that she could not believe she had heard correctly. "'An easy time?' she repeated incredulously. "'Why, I don't know many housekeepers, unless they have large families, who work as many hours a day as my husband does. "'But men have so much variety,' complained Mrs. Thayer. "'Our lives are so monotonous.' "'I think the men are the ones who suffer from monotony—lots of them, anyway. "'Take a bookkeeper's work, for instance. "'You and I, if we get tired of housework, can go out and do anything we like—go to the art gallery, or the park, or—' Mrs. Thayer interrupted. "'I suppose it depends on what you've been used to. "'Perhaps you came from a small town.' "'Yes, I did.' "'Beldingsville, Vermont.' "'And it's the prettiest little place,' said Pollyanna, with enthusiasm, with the dearest people. "'Oh, yes, I dare say, but that explains why it is so easy for you to amuse yourself. Now my home,' said Pollyanna's visitor, with more than a touch of condensation in her manner, "'was Porter, Ohio. And while it hasn't such an enormous population—oh, about forty thousand, I suppose—it's a real city." We have a nice opera house, and a Carnegie library, and—well, there's nothing here that's what you'd call a novelty to me. They were ready for the dessert, and Pollyanna brought it on—little cakes with strawberry icing and lemonade. Immediately Mrs. Sayers' manner lost its suggestion of patronage. "'You have to get those cakes at a confectioner's, don't you?' she asked. "'You couldn't get such good ones at an ordinary bakery.' "'Oh, I made the cakes.' "'You did?' Since you asked me over?" Pollyanna discreetly concealed her surprise at the question. No, I made them yesterday. I'd love to be able to make little cakes like that, sighed the visitor. I don't know how to do any cooking to speak of. I'll come over some day and make a batch for you, Pollyanna promised, then you can see exactly how I do it. It was after they had washed the luncheon dishes and deserted the kitchenette in favour of the living-room that mrs sayer noticed a framed photograph which jimmy had hung so that it should have the advantage of the best light in the room she scrutinized it carefully isn't that some foreign city she inquired again pollyanna concealed surprise it's rome that's the Colosseum in the background you see but the girl looks like you yes and that's my aunt at the right mrs sayer turned sharply then you've been abroad "'Yes, I lived abroad about six years with my aunt and uncle. "'He was a physician, and he went to Europe for study, you know.' "'I see.' For a moment the girl was silent. Then, with a half-embarrassed laugh, she demanded, "'Why didn't you call me down when I was talking about Porter, Ohio?' "'Call you down? Why? "'I was putting on airs, that's why. "'I thought you were a country girl who could amuse herself by looking at the skyscrapers "'or feeding the elephants at the zoo.' while I was used to the excitements of city life, don't you see? Didn't you feel like slapping me? Why, you silly girl! laughed Pollyanna. Of course not! I should have, in your place, declared the visitor. I should have dragged in Rome at the very next sentence. She studied Pollyanna reflectively. What makes you so different from other people? Different? How am I different? Pollyanna looked rather alarmed, and Mrs. Sayer hastened to reassure her. I didn't mean you were queer, you know, but it seems as if you got more fun out of things than most folks do. Oh, that. Yes, I suppose so. You see Pollyanna checked herself abruptly. As a small girl, she had taken everyone into her confidence regarding the glad game without a thought of the possibility of being misunderstood. But now the fear that she might be thought to be preaching rendered her rather uncommunicative as to the thing that had meant so much in her life in answer to mrs sayers' inquiring look she said hastily oh, i've always tried to look on the bright side of everything some day i'll tell you more about it they spent a cozy afternoon getting acquainted pollyanna brought out her knitting and the two young wives compared notes on a number of important matters husbands gas stoves the price of butter the peculiarities of janitors and the shortcomings of city laundries. At five o'clock, with seeming reluctance, Pollyanna's visitor rose to take her leave. "'Mrs. Pendleton,' she began a trifle formally, "'I can't begin to tell you!' Pollyanna looked hastily to the right, glanced to the left, and then screwed her head around as if suspecting that someone had squeezed in between her chair and the wall, which would have been a tight squeeze for the most emaciated. Then she faced about, belated comprehension, dispelling her air of perplexity. "'Why, you mean me?' Young Mrs. Thayer seemed embarrassed. "'Didn't I get the name right? I thought—' Pollyanna's shame-faced laughter cut her short. "'Oh, yes, the name's right. It's only—' "'I'm not quite used to it. In the stores they call me Lady, and the janitor says Mum, and I don't see much of anybody else—except my husband, so I always think of myself as Pollyanna.' "'Pollyanna! Is that your name?' "'Yes.' "'What a dear little name! No, it's not little, exactly, but it sounds like something to cuddle.' "'I'd like to have you use it,' smiled Pollyanna. It sounds so much more homey than Mrs. Pendleton. "'I'd love to, and please call me Judith. Now I really must go, or your husband's dinner will be late, and he'll be cross.' She whisked out of the apartment, and Pollyanna donned her bungalow apron and hurried to the kitchen. Thinking how many interesting things she had to tell Jimmy, and she remembered with the sense of unreality one feels in recalling last night's dream that at twenty minutes past nine that morning she had been suffering the pangs of acute homesickness. End of chapter five recording by Claire.